teachers, and I'm not one of them either. But whatever it is I am, I'll pour it all out for you this morning. Amen? And trust that the Father will use my words to create wellness in your life. Uh, we're starting a new series. I'm kind of excited. It's going to take a lot of uh, uh, training on my part, but we're going to start trying to preach in series more often. And because uh, I never do finish sermons, I just run out of time. And so last, what was it, not last week, the week before we, we handed out some cards and we asked you a uh, question, what is it that keeps your friends, your family, your relatives, your acquaintances away from God? And, uh, and I really, I, I read over your answers and I really, really appreciate it. And so I'm going to spend the rest of my, the month responding to some of those things. And I kind of like this, the way we're doing it. I think for, I'm going to do this from time to time, not every week, but uh, find out what it is you want to hear taught you know what what areas do we not normally touch now if you ask me when Jesus is coming back I just ain't going to preach on that okay so don't don't ask me is Jesus coming back I, I don't know I'll be there when you're there and we'll go up together uh, <clears throat> but I don't teach on eschatology that's one of the few things the Lord told me a long time ago not to teach on uh, I've got my lane and I try to stay in it but I would love to hear from you what it is that you want to have taught and we'll try to do that but with the uh with this series we're calling it god blockers and um the number one god blocker that you said was guilt condemnation and shame and so i want to address that starting today i want to address that uh but i'm gonna i'm going to address it as its root because see shame guilt condemnation those are all byproducts of the same contaminant and that's fear so I want to just address fear and I'm going to address it to those who are in the house not those who are out of the house because see you are God's billboard the only way the world is going to know that God is good is if they see a good God in you you're the epistle known and read of all men they're not going to hear my sermon but they're going to see your life so what I want to do is I want to address the shame that you're battling, the guilt that you're contending with, so that you'll know that there is a place called freedom where you don't have to be ashamed of what you did, whatever it was you did. Because I want to say this to you, that no matter what you did, His grace is greater than your sin, and you'll never, ever commit such an atrocity that His love can't cover your sin. So fear is the first God blocker that we're going to address. And I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read in verse 9. But you know the backstory for this. Adam had just committed high treason. And, and I'm fully convinced that Adam knew exactly what he was doing. That he knew by disobeying God, he was giving away the kingdom. And this is what I want to say, that Adam had just committed the most horrible sin ever. I'm going to say a lot. I'm going to sink in. Because I want you to, the original sin is what made possible every other sin. If it wasn't for Adam's sin, murder could have never been. Rape could have never been. War could have never been. Every sin that is ever that you've ever committed or has ever been committed against you was made possible because of what Adam had done. And had, had Adam not done that, then none of this would have been possible. Y'all following me? So 
Adam commits high treason. He hears a sound. He's familiar with the sound. And he goes and he does something. He hides. Right? Now let's read verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now I want you to stop there for just a second because I want you to see the goodness of God in this. Adam had committed high treason. Yet who went looking for who? Who went looking for who? Did, now see, I've watched some of you with your children, and I've watched, I love watching people in the mall. I go to the mall just to watch people because people are crazy. And they're entertainment. But I have seen times when, like when a child gets freaked out or scared, they go running to daddy. Did Adam do that? Could Adam have done that? Absolutely. But that's not what Adam did. Adam ran away from God instead of running to God. And I want you to notice that the love of God and the goodness of God, God knowing what Adam had done, God came to Adam. And he's the God that does not change. So you know what God is doing when you try to hide from him? He's coming for you. And he's coming for you not to condemn you, not to beat you, not to berate you. He's coming to ask you, where are you? I've been looking for you, man. Where you been? So he asked him, where are you? And then in verse 10, Adam replies, I heard the sound of you in the garden. Now, catch this. And I was uh, afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Fear is the number one God blocker because people are afraid if they ever made themselves vulnerable to the almighty, the almighty would condemn them. See, they don't know that God is hopelessly and helplessly in love with them and that the greatest and I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit right here. The greatest act of kindness in all of humanity was a cross where the penalty was paid. You know, and in, in that, that Isaiah prophesied all about that cross and the stripes in Isaiah 53. And you know what Isaiah 54 says? He ain't mad with you no more because the cup of his wrath was filled. That's awesome. That is awesome. God ain't mad with you no more because the penalty was paid. The, the wrath for God, the wrath that sin required was poured out on the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And I love this in verse 11. This is God's response. And he said, who told you that? I have a whole series of teachings on that. Who told you that? Who told you you were unworthy? Who told you you would never be accepted? Who told you you were unloved? Who told you you would never measure up? Who told you you didn't belong? God asked him, he said, who told you that? Who told you you had a reason to be afraid of me? Well, it wasn't God. Are y'all with me this morning? Through the, years, I've, through the years, I've observed many saints and as they seek to serve God, and I've noticed that there's a distinction. Some people almost immediately become faith giants. They love, they serve, they give. They just kind of seem to have an invulnerability to the things of life. And then there are other people. They're here. They're not here. They're up. They're down. They struggle. Sometimes they're in. Sometimes they're out. And they don't walk a victorious path. And here's another thing that I've noticed that God is not the one that distinguishes. 
who walks a victorious path and who does not. God is not the one who determines who walks free of fear and who does not. God is no respecter of persons. And this is what, if, if in the new birth, when they gave their lives to Christ, if that was an authentic moment in time and they were born again, then the power of sin was broken over all. Are y'all following me? So if, well, let's just go there. Go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says this, For sin and all fear comes from sin. Y'all following me? Adam wasn't afraid of nothing until he sinned. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the, but under grace. Now I'm going to read that again. For fear shall not have dominion over you. For condemnation shall not have dominion over you. For shame shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law. What is the law? The law is that which measures and sets standards. But see, that's the key. You've got to be under grace and not under the law. See, here, here is what distinguishes whether we walk free or forever we are held captive to fear. What words do we listen to? And what doctrine do we submit ourselves to? Because if we as Christians submit ourselves to a doctrine of someone who establishes the law in our life, code of conducts, do this in your good, but do that in your bad, then we'll never walk with confidence because how do you know when you're good enough? You found, how do you know when you've given enough to finally break through? Yes. How do you know when you've prayed enough to finally be heard? How do you know when you're good enough to finally be accepted? On, if it's based upon what you do, you'll never have that confidence. That's right. That's right. That's right. But if you're here and you establish yourself under the law of love and a message of grace, then you know it's not about what I do or what I've done. It's about what he did. Yes. And now I am accepted in the beloved, not based upon my perfection, but his perfection. Yeah. Not based upon my sacrifice, but upon his sacrifice. So the thing that will determine is what words do you hear? Are you hearing words of codes and regulations and laws? Wow. Is your hair long enough or is it too long? Are your skirts long enough or too short? When we went to Bible school, they used to meet us at the door with a ruler. To measure men's hair and women's skirts. Codes of conduct will always distinguish between those who are good enough and those who aren't. And I'm going to show you in just a moment. The Bible says Jesus didn't come to distinguish. He didn't come to judge the world. He didn't come to draw a line of demarcation between those who were good enough and those. He came to proclaim to all God's grace in the year of the Lord's favor is available to everyone who will receive me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're a prostitute or a priest. It doesn't matter what you've done or how good you've been. I'm the way. If you come through me at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There is a path to freedom, but it is not upon, it's not your perfection. It's a path of grace. Amen. That's good. And the realization that at the new birth, he broke the power of sin yes. in my life. Yes. Yes. So all of the contaminants that sing, I no longer have to battle fear. I no longer have to measure my prayer life against your prayer life right. or my giving against your giving or my anointing versus your anointing. Yes. 
I've had people come to this church before and tell me they're more anointed than me. So they ought to preach. And I say, well, you ought to raise your standards. There are others you ought to measure yourself against. But the truth is that's carnality. Because the only one we are in is Christ. We don't measure ourselves amongst ourselves. That's rabbit number one. My wife prayed. I want you to pay very close attention to my answer and how, why, why is it that some walk free when God isn't the one who determines how quickly a believer will grow and God isn't the one who determines if you or I will walk in victory over fear, guilt, and condemnation. It's what words we hear and what words we accept. You listen to this. Your level of shame, condemnation, and fear is determined by the depth of your relationship. The deeper you go into God, the less fear you contend with. Amen. How many of you ever read Romans 2 verse 4 before? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads men. It's not... It's not <clears throat> Let me just read it to you out of Romans chapter 2, verse 4, out of the Passion Translation. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? It's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's the goodness of God and kindness of God that encourages spiritual growth and freedom from fear. Is this okay this morning? The closer you get to God, experiencing his love and grace, the more condemnation diminishes and fades and disappears. Now, remember what I told you. I'm preaching to you, not those who are outside. Because your friends will see you. Your relationships will hear you. And when they hear you talking about the kindness of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, and how God has set you free from the things that used to hold you captive, that's what's going to attract them to God. Listen to this. Religion increases condemnation. Actually, condemnation is necessary to religious control. The easiest way to control people is to make them afraid. So religious teaching actually increases condemnation. And you can have a church full of people who abide in fear. Because, listen to this, laws feed shame. While grace eradicates condemnation and fear. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. And I want to look at verse 14. We're dealing with the fear, the, the God blocker called fear. And I want to show you that fear is what the, the enemy wants you to be afraid. He, he wants you to feel condemned. And here's why. Everyone look at me. Because his ability to keep you afraid diminishes the operation of Christ inside of you. Yes. It limits God in your life if he can keep you afraid. Yes. And I think he gets a kick out of you coming to church afraid. 
that you give your tithes afraid, that you serve God afraid. Because when we're afraid, you know what doesn't work in an element of fear? Faith. Faith works by and love cast out all. I love preaching to Bible scholars. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, since the children, and I don't want you to miss that, the children, this was not written to those who were outside of the covenant. This was written to those who were in the covenant. This is why it's in the book of Hebrews. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 15, listen to this. And might free those, the children, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. These were children of the covenant. He's, he's, this is to the children of Israel. In the temple, afraid. Wearing priestly robes, afraid. Subject to slavery all of their lives because of fear. Many people spend their whole lives in church and yet are slaves to fear. Afraid of never being good enough. Afraid of never being acceptable. But listen to this, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Out of the Passion Translation. Is this okay this morning? Yes, sir. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Remember, religion thrives on condemnation. It instills condemnation because it needs condemnation in order to establish the hierarchy. I'm the priest and you are peasants. The only way you're going to know the word is to come to me. You see, huh? Is that not religion? I grew up a Roman Catholic and we had a priest. The priest was like almighty. The rest of us were just like begging for bread, literally to fall. That's not Christianity. At Christianity, it's priests and prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And we're all the same. For we have only one priest. Thank you, Lord. Oh, So you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you've received the spirit, let this sink in, of full acceptance. See, this is why grace is called amazing, y'all. Because I didn't deserve it. I don't, ex- I don't deserve to be as acceptable to God as Jesus. And that's what he's saying. This is the full acceptance. He's the elder brother, but we're all brothers too. Amen. Joint heirs Joint seated heirs. together with him. Holding the same place, not the same occupation. Or the, He's the savior. But I'm just as acceptable. Enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. 
The intent of Christ is to free those who are afraid. Let's say this together. I will never give fear place in my life. You need to respond to fear the way you would to an armed intruder trying to break into your house. You don't pull up a table or a chair. No, no, no. You say you have no place here. And you begin to reflect and you begin to repeat the words of grace that you are accepted in the beloved. John chapter 3, verse 17. The scripture says this, God did not send his son into the world to judge. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. Now, he's the only one who could have. But remember what God did in the garden? God could have just said, you know what, dude? You blew it. I'm going to eradicate you and that planet you're on, and I'm going to start all over again. He could have. He's God. But did he? No. Why not? That would have been the easier path. Love constrained him. Because even though Adam disobeyed, and I want you to hear this, even though Adam disobeyed, he was still loved. Even when you disobeyed, you were still loved. Even when you were enemies of God, you were still loved. So now that you're a child of his, do you think you're any less loved? No, 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 a thousand times. No, this is the goodness of God. This is the grace of God. So even when I do sin, I just, I don't do what Adam did. I don't run and hide. I don't say, you know what? I missed church last week, so I ain't going back this week. I missed church the last two weeks, so I ain't going back the third week because you know what they're going to say? They're going to condemn me because where have you been for the last two weeks, you heathen? So when I mess up, I run away and hide. No, no, no. Not if I know he's a good God. When I mess up, I run to him and I say, Father, I apologize. I'm so sorry. I messed up. And his goodness washes over me and his grace comes to me. And his love makes it as though I had never done that thing. And so now when fear and condemnation try to rise up, I can say, no, no, no. There is now, therefore, no, not just a little, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you know where I am? I'm in Christ Jesus. He's become my hiding place. I want to hide out in him. Oh, my goodness. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. That word judge in the Greek, listen to this, it means to separate, to distinguish, to discriminate between good and evil, to select, to choose out the good. He didn't come to say, you know what? You're good and you're bad. He came to say, all of you need me. So look at verse 18, same chapter. So now there is no longer any condemnation. It's the same word in the Greek. There's no distinguishing. There's no separating. And so can I say this to you? If God doesn't distinguish between us, why do we let people? 
Why do we let people say, well, this class is good enough and this class isn't good enough. This class is acceptable and this class isn't. This dress code is good and this dress code is bad. If he doesn't do that, why do we allow it to be done and why do we do it? My mentor, who just recently went to heaven, shared a story that when he was he was pastor, he just started a church down in Clewiston, and uh, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna ask you a question, but I'm assuming you would know, but you're too holy to know. <laughs> what do you? I'll ask Steve; he'll know. <laughs> what do you call the main prostitute? The main one, the one who like heads it all up. See, I told you Steve would know. The madam. Well, that's something to brag about. I guess I'm the only one that didn't know. It's a halo. So this woman who, who headed up all of the prostitution in, her, in, in, in Bishop Miller's county came to church and came to church dressed like a prostitute. And his ushers wanted to keep her at the back because she was literally letting it all hang out. And Bishop, Bishop noticed, and he said, what y'all doing? And they said, oh, oh Bishop, we're, we're finding a place. He said, bring her down here. And he let her sit on the front row. Because wow. he said, and, and then one of the ushers brought a blanket. And I love how Bishop did. Bishop corrected him and said, she's a child of God. She's going to sit where she wants to sit. The woman gave her life to Christ that Sunday. Yes, sir. Over a period of months, she led every woman in her employee to the Lord. Yes. I mean, pretty soon a whole new class of prostitutes had to come into the county because all the ones that were under her got saved. Wow. And she ended up being on the city council, eventually wow. becoming the mayor of the city because she had an amazing business mind. She was just using it in a different oh, way. But she had an amazing when she came. You understand? We, there were some churches would have never let her in. And the potential that God knew was in her would have died with her. He didn't come to distinguish. He came to give grace to all. So now there is no longer any condemnation, no judgment for those who believe in him. But the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved son. But I want to read this again. To those who believe in him, there is no more fear. There's no more shame. See, can I, can I chase another rabbit? We've got a confusion concerning what repentance is. We think to repent means I've got to proclaim every bad thing I've ever done and wail and cry and show true remorse. Remorse and repentance are not the same thing. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says I got to wail and cry in order I got to. No, all repentance means is I'm going this way and I turn and I go this way. My emotional response has nothing to do with it. So I don't have to be afraid of being found out about what I did because when I made that turn, sin lost its dominion over me and now I can walk in a path without fear, without shame. But you don't know what I did. You don't know what he did. You don't know that. None of that matters. Grace, grace, amazing grace. Well, what about the judgment of God? Well, if, can I say this? If you're in him, you'll never encounter that. Because he was judged on your behalf. Mm-hmm. All fear is founded in sin 
And sin is the foundation of fear. Without sin, there would be no fear. So if sin has no dominion over you, then shame has no part of you. Condemnation has no influence over you, and fear has no role to play in your life. Do you see this? I've got five minutes and 51 seconds. I'll hurry. You remember Adam? I was afraid, so I hid myself. I was afraid, so I went away and stayed away. I was afraid, so I kept my distance. The purpose of Satan in keeping fear operational in your life is to limit Christ in you. I want to say that again. The whole purpose of him keeping fear operational in your life is to limit the operation of Christ in your life. You'll never, ever risk praying for someone because you're afraid you're not good enough. You'll never step into the gifts because you're afraid. What if I miss it? I've had people, Pastor, I felt like I had a prophetic word. Well, why didn't you give it? Well, what if I miss it? Can I, can I, there ain't a preacher that stands behind a pulpit anywhere that ain't missed it. Ain't a, missing it, I, I discovered this early on. Missing it does not cause God to step off the throne. And it doesn't catch God by surprise. God doesn't say, oh, myself, Jimmy missed it. (laughs) Just like when Peter was sinking in the water, the Lord didn't stand over him and laughed. He reached down and grabbed him. Hmm. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here's the mystery. Here's the glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I want to read it to you again out of the Passion. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope. See, this is why the enemy wants to keep you afraid, so that treasure chest never gets opened. Because, see, when you're not afraid, God can flow through you, and God flowing through you can reach your family. God flowing through you can reach your neighborhood. But if you're afraid, you'll never open your mouth to speak. Because I never went to Bible school. Well, good for you. Sometimes that's a dangerous place to go. A heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Being free of fear and shameless means the ability to stand in the father's presence without the sense of guilt or condemnation or inferiority. It means the ability to stand in the presence, listen to this, of Satan and his works without timidity or fear, Mm. without any sense of inferiority. Really, it means this. Listen, when you know who you are in Christ, you have a superior complex, a superiority complex to the devil. Let that sink in. It's one thing to humble yourself in the presence of God. It's another thing to humble yourself in the presence of the enemy. But when you know who you are in him, that you're the beloved and fear no longer has a place. in You've heard the story. Is this OK? Can I chase it? When when the devil himself came to Smith Wigglesworth. 
And the story goes that Smith's bedroom filled with this cold air and just terror filled the place. And the devil himself, not, an imp, not a demon, the devil, Satan himself, stood at the foot of his bed. And Smith Wigglesworth woke up and looked at the foot of his bed and said, oh, it's only you, and went back to sleep. Or another time when the devil tried the same thing with Lester Summerall and he was sleeping up on a, a raised platform in Africa and the devil tried to throw him off the platform and the bed began to bounce and move toward the edge of the platform and Lester woke up and realized what was going on and he commanded the devil to leave and the devil left and then Lester said, wait a minute, I didn't put the bed here, you did. So he commanded the devil to come back and the bed started bouncing and went back to its original position and then he left again. You are superior to the works of the enemy. So when you encounter the works of the enemy, fear doesn't make you regress. You stand up like a lion and you proclaim the lion of Judah is in me. You shall not do this in my house. I will live and not die and I will proclaim. There's no timidity in his sight. There's a humbleness before God, but there's an aggressiveness before the enemy. Mm. But you, listen, you have to come to reckon on the ability of the God inside of you. When you're fear free, you've at last arrived at the place where you reckon on him. You, you trust him inside of you. You plan your work with the idea that he is there to enable you to put it over. Yes. I like that. Yes. What does that mean? If God's in you, then it's going to work. Yes. So you don't plan to fail. You plan to succeed. You dream big dreams because greater is he that is in you, in you than yes. he that is in the world. Yes. Mm. Wow. Go to Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. I'll try to hurry up. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according listen to this according to the ability of God that is at work where is it where is it but see now if you're afraid you'll never tap into that do you see what I'm saying? So this is why the devil will work so hard to keep you in a religious environment and constantly afraid that you don't measure up, that you're not anointed. That person is, but you're not. Why? Because then you will never tap into those endless resources of Christ inside you, which is not only the hope of glory, but it's from that place that he does exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond. When this scripture is understood and put into daily practice, you know that you've arrived. At last, you are a worthy member of the vine and you are actually bearing fruit for his glory. In my notes, I wrote these words a long time ago. Becoming God inside minded, knowing that the all wise one is in me now. That the God of all ability is in me now. That the God of all love is in me now. That God and I are linked up together, laboring together with him. We are becoming one in our thoughts and in our actions. He and I are laboring together to carry out the great dream of grace. The God of all grace lives in me. So I say it over and over again. God, my father, in the person of the Holy Spirit through the living word is living in me. See, you can't be sin conscious and God conscious at the same time. 
one has to have dominion. And I, I would urge you become God inside minded. You're a new creature. Old things really have passed away. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you ought to say God is in me. The almighty lives in me. The all wise one lives in me. The all anointed one lives in me. No, I can do all things in him because he has become my strength and my ability. The limitless one is in me. The love God lives in me. At last, I become God inside minded. The God of the God of the abundant life is in me. And I wrote this. These are all in my notes. He is no longer with me to convict me, but he is in me to guide me into all the realities of his mighty ministry. And one last verse, and then we'll close. Go with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. I'm reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. When you and I finally realize it's not by what we can do, it's by what he's done, that we can be fearless without condemnation and have no sense of shame. Life will grow large. The glory of God will rise upon you like the noonday sun. And when you pray, he'll respond. And when you prophesy, it'll come to pass because faith will explode within you. And you become then a living, walking, massive billboard of God's goodness that shouts to all the world, God is good and the price has been paid, so come home. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to be afraid anymore because I, like you, was once afraid and I ain't afraid no more Amen. can you go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap stand to your feet